time it is it's time for another exciting episode of the three in one podcast joining us from cleveland ohio give it up for international and lamont morgan it's like i'm working on it what's up y'all <laughs> and joining us from the nasty natty cincinnati ohio give it up for keith turner jr what's going on everybody Hope and pray all is well with all of you. I am okay. Believe me, I am okay. Even in defeat, I'm still okay. <laughs> and joining you from the capital city, Columbus, Ohio, it's Malcolm Morgan, the victim of another Aaron Rodgers comeback. Ooh. And in, you know, I'm just going to get all the depressing news out now. We're in the part of our season when Tom Savage gets signed to an NFL team. The 49ers did sign Tom Savage. <laughs> Um, so the season is officially over for us. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much over at this point. <laughs> when your quarterback situation is bad enough that you sign Tom Savage, it's over. It's time to one, two, three, Cancun. Let's go. Goodness gracious. Oh, how's, everybody, how's everybody doing today? Feeling good, man. Feeling, uh, feeling pretty blessed. God is good all the time. And uh, just out here, man, excited about the season. Basketball uh, is back. We don't care, Ian, right now. Okay, we care go. about football right now. Football. <laughs> we care about basketball come Christmas time and then later on in the season. Hell has no Keith. fury like a Bengal scorn. <laughs> Ian, I just want you to know that we have talked about preseason basketball and not talked about postseason baseball at all. Just throwing that out there. Do what you want with that information. And to our listeners, I apologize greatly <laughs> that we have not talked about. Never mind. The Indians got swept, so the season's over. <laughs> I promise if I have to watch the Brewers against the Astros in the World Series, <laughs> I'm, uh, writing, I'm writing a sternly worded email to whoever the commissioner. We don't even know who the commissioner of, the baseball, of baseball is. That's true. Who is it? Paul Manafort? I, is that who it is? Who I, is it? I don't even know. It's, it's not Tech? No, not Tech. Yeah, I don't no, know. He been I gone. don't know. I don't know who he is. I'm sorry. See? That's a sign. That's a sign. Anyway, we're going to talk about sports that matter. And we're going to start off with some college football. Um, One of our big games to watch from last week ended up being a blowout. We're going to talk about Michigan's big win over Wisconsin at the Big House. Um, What are you guys' impressions? What did you learn about Michigan um, after this game, don't really uh, care. But no, <laughs> go ahead, Keith. Uh, just a couple of things. First of all, I'm not overly impressed uh, through the air. Um, <clears throat> Shea Patterson, um, of course, really got the job done on the ground. Um, but both quarterbacks were very, very brutal uh, through the air. Honestly, um, Higdon though is a baller. Um, that kid can run the ball, um, hundred yards, touchdown. Their defense is stout, um, forced two Wisconsin turnovers. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know what to, what to think about Michigan. You never know. Like, because on one week they look pretty dominant like they did this past week. And then, you know, who knows this weekend they could 
suck it up again. You know, who knows, man? But first of all, their their defense is very good. That's the yeah. first thing. Um, and, you know, you have to be able to stop their rushing attack because Shea Patterson and Higdon will be able to take off at any time. Um, so, I mean, that's that's really it. I mean, their, their seven-point, I believe, loss to Notre Dame is beginning to look a little bit better for them um, just because Notre Dame is, you know, continuously winning. But that's all I got, honestly. I, I still don't believe in Harbaugh yet. Um, they're going to have to, they're going to have to beat, you know, Michigan state and Penn state for me to really be like worried by the time they come to Columbus. Yeah. I mean, they're winning first off. I, it's, it's hard for me to give them credit for anything, but they win in these ball games. Um, like, like Keith said, yeah, it was not an aerial assault by any means, um, but, you know, got to get Shea Patterson is his due for being a gamer. Uh, the, that boy is a ball player, man. And um, what was like an 81-yard rush he had? Yep. Um, and then, you know, had tacked on a rushing touchdown. Uh, like Keith was saying, you know, the, the rushing attack was was pretty good. He, he had some big-time throws to keep some drives alive as well. Um, and so, you know, yeah. but, but he showed the right mixture of get it done, which is what you're asking for. You know, Tim Tebow wasn't always an aerial assault, but uh, he got it done. Um, and you know, I, I look, I look at those type of qualities. You know, are you are you a winner? Um, and so they have rebounded uh, uh, ever since that loss that we were talking about. But uh, that defense, man, they had Hornerbrook looking. I mean, the pocket was on fire. I mean, and and, and he was he was just looking all types of uncomfortable. Um, and that was that was the glaring difference. Just seeing the difference between these two quarterbacks and how they handled that. Uh, Hornerbrook didn't really have a you know uh, really a, a, a plan B. He didn't have anything else to go to um, once they were they were forcing him out, and so. Uh, a couple of interceptions, that pick six in the fourth quarter, I feel like that really sealed their fate. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I give Michigan a do. Uh, and I have used my maximum amount of characters talking about Michigan. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michigan was, was, to me, was really impressive in this game. Um, got back to running the football in this game. We saw what Shea Patterson can do um, as a runner as well. Um, but this defense, this defense, even without Rashawn Gary, um, who's out with a so- shoulder injury, might be out again this week. Um, this defense was dominant. Um, yeah. A- Alex Hornibook ended up with 100 yards for the game. 75 came of those on the last drive when the game was over already. Um, so they had held him below 30 yards passing uh, <laughs> um, for the whole game up to that last drive. Yep. Um, they had him looking like a like a division three <laughs> third string. I mean, he was so trash. Um, yeah, yeah. And if you take away some of the, the big chunk plays, um, you know, that last drive was 75 yards. They had the big 33 yard run. If you take those two things out, Michigan held them below 200 yards. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm really impressed with the defense. They got the two turnovers were big. Um, you know, I'm starting to believe that Michigan might be might be a good test. I'm not saying they'd win against Ohio State. Ohio State hasn't looked great, um, but I think I think that uh, that game at the end of the year could be a lot more interesting. Um, well, so. I'm I'm not excited about seeing Ohio State against that Russian attacks. I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Especially without Nick Bosa. Right. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I can't wait to break down that game. I can't wait to break down that game when it comes. Shea Patterson running the ball. You know, they couldn't control Trace McSorley. How are they going to stop the beast, Shea Patterson? The beast. (laughs) And don't let Dylan McCaffrey get in there. Dylan McCaffrey had a 44-yard touchdown in this game. Wow, I forgot about that. Malcolm, you done yet? (laughs) (laughs) This, I got, here's, here's my joke for the day. Uh, this Michigan team has already given uh, Urban Meyer headaches. He can't even stand up on the sidelines coaching the game. He's in such pain thinking about it. <laughs> All right. Right. That's enough. Go ahead, Harbaugh, forgetting what game. I mean, you're going to have uh, Urban Meyer forgetting what game it is. Oh, I couldn't remember. Right, My well, memory is bad. Yay for the, yay for the Wolverines. They won, they won the game. That's uh... – <laughs> Jeez. Don't hate. Don't hate. Um, let's talk about Oregon taking down the Huskies of Washington in Eugene. Um, what were our picks for this game? Keith, do you remember our picks for this game? Uh, I, I believe I believe uh, Ian and I went Washington and you went Oregon. Gotcha. I just wanted to be sure. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Just saying. Um, this game was back and forth the whole game. Yeah. Um and uh it you know, it really came down to Oregon being able to make enough plays late. Um it, it kinda started to look like deja vu to the Stanford game where they lost the lead and, and lost it in overtime, but they were able to get that stop um in overtime and then get that late touchdown to to kind of seal it. But what did you guys see from this Oregon team? <laughs> and what does this mean for the Pac twelve and the college football playoff? Oh yeah. man. Tough to say what it means, you know, in the in the long run. I mean, I, I've I've liked Oregon all year. I think I had them as my pick coming out of the conference. Um, but like you said, I mean, although Keith and I picked Washington, it's not like Oregon came out and just dominated the game. Like you said, it, yeah. was, it was back and forth. Um, you know, top notch performances. That's what we expected. We expected Browning to play well. He did uh, for the most part. Uh, we expected uh, Verdell to have a good game. He had a huge game. Mm-hmm. Uh, D- Dylan Mitchell came through. He catches uh, 119 and a touchdown. Like it, yeah. it was, it was as advertised. Um, high octane, uh, very enjoyable. Came down to Washington's defense not being able to hold Oregon to a field goal, and that's a you know that's the name of the game in an overtime period. That makes sense. <laughs> no t- hashtag no ties. <laughs> no ties. Um, but yeah, I mean that that last and that last run. I mean the, the one the run that sealed the game. It, it Washington just looked gassed at that point. You know they they had given all that they could, and uh, that's the that's why you do conditioning. That's why you uh, <laughs> you know and and I mean speed makes a difference. I've been talking about Oregon speed every time we talk about them. So not surprised to see that happen. But still a great game, a great effort. Washington has nothing to hang their head about. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think you guys hit it all on the head, honestly. I think con- Oregon controls its own destiny in the Pac-12 North. Um, <clears throat> Malcolm, I think your question is, is interesting because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, all Pac-12 teams are going to have at least one loss. Yeah. So, um, you know, who knows if a one-loss, you know, Washington team or 
Uh, well, they wait. They have two losses now, right? They have two losses yeah. total, one loss in conference. Yeah, yeah you know, um, if uh, uh, you know, gosh, yeah, it just may mean that a team from the Pac-12 may not get in again. Um, yeah, it just, I think that's what it means, honestly, at this point. Um, and and none of them are dominant, anyways, to yeah. where you could see them beating a team like Alabama or mm-hmm. you know even the likes of you know Clemson or Ohio State at this point. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- I think that's really just what it means. The Pac-12 will beat up on each other, um, but I'll be very interested to see who pulls who pulls it out. Uh, but Oregon definitely can control its own destiny uh, after beating Washington. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, this is this has kind of been the mo with the Pac-12 the last few years. They just can't cannibalize themselves. Um, they ended <laughs> up having their champion having two, maybe even three losses, and completely keeps them out of being play out of the playoffs. Yeah. But the one big thing I did take away from this is that both of these teams have NFL quarterbacks. Um, yep. Justin Herbert is absolutely going to be a top pick. <laughs> Jake Browning probably isn't going to be big on a lot of people's boards, but to me, he projects kind of like a Kyle Orton um, career backup, but he's still solid. He can make the throws. He doesn't turn the ball over four year player. Um, I think he has an NFL future ahead of him as well. Um, and then Oregon took a big loss. Um, they're starting uh, their fresh, the first freshman ever to start in the season opener. Um, I think since '97 for the Oregon Ducks, Pinnell Sewell um, is out for at least six weeks, um, and so it'll be inter- interesting to see how that affects them going down the stretch. They um, they travel to Washington State um, this week. They have to travel to Utah, and then they uh, play Arizona. Um, in in November, which I mean, excuse me, Arizona State, um, and Herm Edwards has that team playing tough. So, um, you know, they still got a, you know, they still got some tough games that they need to they need to win in order to pull out the Pac-12 yep. championship. But they are definitely in the driver's seat. Yep. Mm-hmm. The other big game, LSU pulling off the upset against Georgia. Um, so. You know, we've seen LSU kind of play up and down this year, but what did you guys learn about Georgia in this game? Uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit last week that Georgia hadn't really played anybody to this point. Yep. Um, but what did you guys take away from this uh, this upset LSU over Georgia? Uh, I, it, it just kind of exposed, you know, like, like we were talking about. Wanted to see if they could prove themselves as legit. And uh, when they got down... I remember particularly uh, that interception in the third quarter mm-hmm. uh, just seemed to do them in. I mean, they scored 13 points after that, but uh, when they needed to make plays, they could not to hang in the yeah. game. They had the opportunity to, you know, to to score then, and it would have made it a six-point ball game, but instead you saw things swing the other way. So uh, they just looked overwhelmed, frankly. Um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't too, too much to it. Uh, you know, I mean, Burrow killed them on the ground. Uh, they they didn't make enough adjustments, you know, to to really turn the tide in the uh, in the second half when the game was still within reach, um, and that's the main thing is that you know not seeing adjustments come out uh, after halftime, but also I mean actually things got worse, and so uh, you know that's that's not what you want to see from a team that was ranked number two, I think not even knocked down to was about eight, yeah, and so. Um, uh, it's, it's it's tough, but hey, that's why you play these. Uh, that's why the schedule mandates that you got to play some teams that uh that'll put, put put a scare in you. So I know you picked LSU. Good pick, Malcolm. Um, oh, I did. I no, I think you picked Georgia, bro. I don't remember where I picked her. 
Well, I remember I was saying that I did not believe that LSU was going to come back after that loss last week. Yeah. And I thought I thought you picked LSU. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but they didn't get it done anyway. They're losers. Uh, well, uh, they, they got it done. Oh, wow. Man. <laughs> They're losers. Tell them how you really feel. Shout out to LSU. And, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, do y'all, y'all think there's a rebound for Georgia available or no? Uh, it can be. Um, Let me look at their schedule. It, it can be. Here's the deal, though. Uh, you look at a team that gave up 275 yards rushing, uh, you know, to, to Joe Burrow, to, to Edwards, and, you know, mm-hmm. um, they have four turnovers, um, two fumbles lost, two interceptions thrown. Uh, they got beaten yardage 475 to 322. Um, gosh, it was just, it was ugly. It was an ugly yeah. game for Georgia all yeah. around. Uh, Fromm was not spectacular. Um, mm-hmm. their highest rusher had 72 yards. Um, they allowed, you know, Jefferson to eat them alive. Six catches, 108 yeah. yards. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Burrow had 66 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I don't know. It just wasn't in, an encouraging sight to see for Georgia fans, um, but that's that's the way it kind of goes in 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 the SEC. You know, you can have a game like this and still make it to the SEC championship and still potentially play for a title. You know, you've seen it last year with Alabama losing to Auburn um, and getting the chance to go. You know, didn't even make it to the SEC championship game and still. Uh, got in and won the national championship. So there's still hope for Georgia, but they got a lot to clean up. Um, that defense yeah. cannot allow, you know, 275 yards rushing and, and be a contender. It just won't happen. Um, yeah. And they also can't turn the ball over four times. So, you know, um, yeah. I, I haven't lost all hope in Georgia. I still think they're a talented squad. They were my pick uh, to win the championship this year. So I'm not, I haven't lost hope yet, but uh, if they have another outing like this, uh, they definitely will not be competing for any type of playoff. So we'll see. Yeah, um, I'm looking at their schedule, and they have Florida in two weeks. Um, they travel to Kentucky the week after that. Right. And then they play Auburn the week after that. Um, we'll see. We'll see really early how they bounce back. Uh, yeah. In two weeks, when they play where they play Florida, Absolutely. they'll be coming off a bye, um, so hopefully they'll be focused. But if they don't show up for that Florida game, oh boy, um, a Florida team that beat the, the LSU and then they got to play Kentucky, who just beat Florida, <laughs> uh, it could it could spiral out of control really quick. Yep. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if soon they make the the, the change to the freshman quarterback Justin Fields. Um, Coming in highly touted gives you a little bit more, a lot more dual threat ability than than Fromm does. Um, they may need him to come in and provide a spark to that offense because they just didn't have it this week. And, and uh, the big stat that tells you the reason why they lost is the four turnovers. You can't yep. have four turnovers and not force any and expect to be in the game. And <clears throat> the the give all the credit to the LSU defense. They had a rough game against Florida, but they came back, rebounded, and uh, showed what they could do against this uh, highly touted Georgia team. Um, But these, we just went off two upsets, but there's two other ones. Um, So I want to ask you guys, which ones, which upset was the most impressive to you? Iowa State over West Virginia 
or Michigan State over Penn State? For me, it's definitely Iowa State. Um, I mean, they hold Will Greer to 100 yards yeah. the entire game. Yeah, They dominated him on every side of the ball, 25 first downs to nine. Offense for West Virginia was just absolutely poor. They only scored one offensive touchdown. Their two, their two touchdowns. I mean, their other touchdown was a was a blocked kick. Um, mm-hmm. They were held scoreless in the whole second half. 152 yards all game. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the heck happened to West Virginia. I don't know if they just. Who knows? Um, but they were terrible. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, it was just a great win for you know Iowa State for them to just steamroll. Uh, a team who was definitely a conference favorite. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I'm sure, embarrassing for all of West Virginia. <clears throat> I, I actually got to go with uh, Michigan State over Penn State. I was, um, I mean, you, you go in there, you <clears throat> do not in any semblance stop Miles Sanders. I mean, he runs all over you, um, 162 yards on 17 carries and a touchdown. Yep. Yep. Um, you don't win the turnover battle, I don't believe. Um, and you still pull it out in in the fourth uh, win, 21-17 over Penn State. Um, I, I think that's that's very impressive. Like we've been talking about, it's an improbable way to win. But uh, they got the job done, and like I, I think I said this uh, one of the other weeks, it just seems like Michigan State has one of these wins every year. It seems like at this point where they just they go in there and they they pull out a tough win. I'm grateful it's not against Ohio State, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I give kudos to them. Yeah, I, I definitely thought uh, Michigan State was was done this year. Um, I didn't think that they were going to be anywhere near as good as they have been, but they really impressed me with this win. I did not see this one. But really, we really shouldn't be surprised with either one of these teams. Um, Iowa State last year pulled off the upset against Oklahoma. Michigan State routinely does this, whether it's Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, whoever. They win these type of games. um, D'Antonio really comes up (laughs) in these games. Um, And, you know, that that Ohio State-Michigan State game looks a little bit more interesting. Yeah. 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 With a a Spartan team that's a little bit more confident. I will say this. I think this pretty much seals the fate of um, Penn State in the the division. Um, I just don't see how they can recover from this. Um, They've got, you know, a big game against Michigan still on the schedule. Um, But I just – I'm really disappointed with – um, James Franklin and his staff and how they've kind of rebounded from last year, a year where I think everybody was hoping uh, Miles Sanders could kind of fill in that gap from Saquon Barkley. But um, watching some of the play calling in the Ohio State game and how flat they kind of came out in this game, um, I'm just really disappointed in the way that they have kind of approached this year. Um, and they still have to play Michigan. They still have to play Wisconsin. Um, a Maryland team who can be sneaky at times. So, um, you and know, they still got they, Iowa. They, they still got Iowa. Um, yeah. So you know they they're on a two. They're actually on a two game losing streak right now. Um, I yeah. think they had a bye after the Ohio State game, but you know they've got to turn it around quick, or this could spiral out of control really fast. Well, Franklin is still saying they're not elite, so you know they surely aren't. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Thank you for that announcement, it's, James. <laughs> it's tough because I mean they they had these blowout wins at the start of the season, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still showing that, you know, there's a high-powered offense, and then they lose by one to us. Uh, like you said, questionable play clawing at certain points and things like that. And then this loss, which was surprising, but, you know, four-point loss, you know, it's it's not like they're playing terribly, but, yeah, if you were expecting them to contend at, at, a, yeah. at a high level and really give OSU a run for their money and, and Michigan uh, in the Big Ten, yeah, this is pretty disappointing. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and take a look forward to the games we'll be watching this weekend. Um, We'll start with uh, in-state rivalry in the Big Ten. Number six, Michigan travels to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. What's you guys' take on this one? They both lose. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, this is is not the NFL. There's no ties. Okay, Uh, okay. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yuck. I actually have Michigan State. Pulling out mm. this game, um, this was the one that I was going to give them. I did, I did think they were going to pull out the one against uh, Penn State, but um, I, I, yeah, I, I wish I could give you um, the best in depth analysis, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to let you know. Nah, I'm just giving picks. Y'all, y'all keep receipts and let me know. Um, <laughs> Michigan State over Michigan. Um, I think it's low scoring ball game. It's you know. Uh, they're going to give Patterson uh, the business um, as far as collapsing the pocket. I think he's going to have to do it with his legs again. So I got a 17-15 Michigan State. Uh, guys, I'm going to have to pick Michigan again. God, this is just like cuss <laughs> words coming out of my mouth. Um, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Michigan 28 uh, and uh, Michigan State 17. Um, I think Higdon will be the X factor if they can really get him uh, going on the ground. You know, I think that'll be trouble for Michigan State. Michigan State's going to have to get their ground going, ground game going with uh, Ladarius Jefferson. They get him going early. That could open up the pass. Um, yeah, but uh, Michigan State's just going to have to be special. And I think you know Patterson uh, when he may be forced to make good throws, he'll make enough. Uh, to get the job done. So, uh, and, and Michigan needs this win. Um, Harbaugh has has a terrible track record um, against you know us and Michigan State. So he really needs a he really needs a win. So I'm gonna go Michigan 28-17. that's hard to hear, Keith. You could have just made a hater pick like me. I, I, know, <laughs> I don't really think Michigan State is better. It's just I like that is a pure blood hater pick that I just. I made. know, man. I, I tried to look past. You know, I tried to not be biased in that pick. I really tried hard. I got you. Know, you. Know. Well, that's that's uh, honor. That that's integrity. Be like Keith. <laughs> be like Keith, guys. Be like. <laughs> be like Keith. T-shirts will be on sale next week. Oh man. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Michigan as well. Um, I think their defense is, is going to be too good. I, I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, too. Um, I think it's going to come down to a special teams touchdown. So I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to have a big game for Michigan. Um, and Shea Patterson's going to do just enough in this rivalry game. I think Michigan wants it bad. You can tell Harbaugh told his guys, don't say anything stupid this whole week. <laughs> Shut up and just play. If I hear anybody say anything stupid, I'm sending you home. <laughs> So I think uh, I think I think Michigan's gonna win this one. I, I think it'll be tight. I think they'll end up winning by ten though. Oof. Um, mm. I'm gonna utter some words I've never uttered on this po- podcast before. 
we're going to be paying attention to NC State <laughs> at Clemson, number 16, at number three. Um, two undefeated teams. Uh, Clemson, we haven't seen since um, the Kelly Bryant scandal. Um, not scandal, I shouldn't say scandal. Kelly Bryant leaving Clemson. Trevor Lawrence getting hurt. He appears to be healthy, uh, but this will be a tough test for this for this Clemson team. So where do you guys see this one going? Uh, I'm simply going to go Clemson 20, uh, NC State 10. Um, Honestly, I don't really have much to say about this, except that, you know, (laughs) if this was at NC State, I may pick them for the upset, but not at Clemson. Um, I think it'll be very tight. Um, I think... um, Lawrence will find a little difficulty, of course. Uh, that's why I only predict them scoring 20 points, which some may be on defense <clears throat> or defense may set them up for some points. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't love Clemson, honestly, within what I've seen thus far. I mean, yeah, they've blown out a couple bad teams, should have lost another game. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it'll be close. I think NC State will keep it close. Um, uh, until fourth quarter, and Clemson will probably make a big defensive play um, to secure it for him, So, Yeah, I think Clemson's going to uh, pull away in this one. I think uh, NC State's a little overrated. I am interested in seeing uh, the quarterback, Ryan Finley, who's up on a lot of people's draft boards. Um, honestly, I have not seen NC State games since, I don't know, 2001. <laughs> so... I'll probably just watch just to see their quarterback. But I think uh, Clemson's defense is going to come up big. I see they win by three touchdowns. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, Travis Etienne continues to go nuts. Yeah. Um, And Ryan Finley's kind of shown an affinity to turn – well, he hasn't been turning the ball over like crazy. But, you know, uh, that Boston College game, he did have two picks. And so I think, you know, you you see stuff like that. I think Clemson is is a quality program that will be able to take advantage now that they see what the chinks in the armor are. I have Clemson winning 32-10. to And uh, just uh, here's North Carolina State's schedule Mm -hmm. so far this year. James Madison, Georgia State, Marshall, UVA. Boston College, so they haven't played it's anybody. Breathtaking, yeah. <laughs> and they barely beat James Madison, twenty-four to thirteen. So James Madison is a good football team, though. Do they play Youngstown State? Yeah. Well, nah, potentially. That's what I, thought. I, I knew I knew there was a Youngstown State connection somewhere. Well, no, I mean, you know, <laughs> just gotta think they're 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 you know a team that won the you know FCS championship uh, two years ago, runner up last year. They're a team that gives, you know, big-name schools difficulties often when they play them. So. <laughs> North Carolina State is not a big-name school, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick, we'll do one more game in the SEC. Mississippi State travels to the other Death Valley to take on LSU. Oh, my gosh. Um, Mississippi State just had the big up. who they just upset? Auburn? Auburn? They just upset yeah. Auburn. Yeah. LSU just coming off the big win against Georgia. Who you got? Yeah, they beat Auburn, but they've already lost to Florida and to Kentucky this year. I don't know. I don't know why they're ranked still. Um, I got. Uh, I got LSU. Um, I think yeah, about twenty-eight to uh, ten. I think it'll actually be closer than that because I think Mississippi State's defense will force maybe a turnover or two. 
Um, but in the end, Joe Burrow um, will do just enough again, <laughs> just enough uh, to get the job done. I'm going to go LSU 21, Mississippi State 16. <clears throat> I'm looking at this, and I was trying to find a reason to pick Mississippi State, and I almost talked myself into it. <laughs> but I think LSU's defense is going to control Nick Fitzgerald and uh, LSU by two touchdowns. There we go. <laughs> All right, now we're going to move to the NFL portion of our show, um, and we're just going to get we're going to get this out of the way now, Keith. Um, Steelers stole a win in Cincinnati. Stole um, is the had, exact word. They stole it, and it was <laughs> we had a reporter. We had a reporter on the field mm-hmm. at the game live. So, Keith, tell us what this game was like live. What was the feeling in Cincinnati? Um, as in the last seconds were, were coming off the clock. <clears throat> First of all, let me just say this was a great game uh, to be at. Um, you know, the atmosphere was incredible. Uh, this was my first, you know, Bengal Steeler game. So I was very excited. Ah, um, <clears throat> oh, man, guys, I, I mean, like, honestly, I think the Bengals did just enough. Um, at the end of the day, when these, uh, when we, when Joe Mixon scored late in the fourth quarter, my wife and I looked at each other and just said, this was too much time. Uh, Big Ben, he's just one of those guys that you can't give him Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. You can't give any of those guys, you know, even 30 seconds to get in field goal range. Um, now let me say this. I think the holding call that was made on Drake Kirkpatrick late in the game in that drive, um, was a habit call versus a actual call. You know, mm-hmm. Drake Kirkpatrick is, ah, he's horrible to me, guys. I really didn't even want to, you know, re-sign him. <laughs> you know, he is always getting burnt, you know, always, you know, causing penalties. Um, he's just, you know, more bad than good in my eyes. Um, but I didn't see a whole lot there. I just think they're just so used to flagging him that, like, anything that looks even close. Oh, yep, he, he probably did it. He's guilty. Um and I think that that play that Antonio Brown scored on was a pick play. Um, now, it doesn't get called often, but it was a pick play. Um, and the NFL said they stood by the decision. I'm not with it. You know, it was contact, you know, yeah. that, you know, was beyond the, you know, five yards or whatever. And it was just a pick to me. Um, but in the end, the Bengals just, you know, couldn't get the stop that they needed. Um Bengals offense in the third quarter was very, very uh, non-existing. Um, but in the end, I, was, I wasn't I was too, you know, unthrilled, I guess I should say, with Andy Dalton. Uh, he did enough, you know, found Tyler Boyd on a couple of touchdowns. Um, there, there was a, quite a few drops. A.J. Green dropped like two passes. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody Core had one go right through his hands early in the game that really could have um, given us like a 14-7 lead. Um but I think the key for us was that we gave up too many yards to James Conner, um, who had two touchdowns and almost had three. Um, and we had no sacks. I mean, Big Ben is a big dude. He's tough to sack. But if you're going to beat Pittsburgh, you've got to get so much pressure on him and force him to make inerrant throws. Um, and we weren't getting enough pressure in there. He had a lot of time to, to find Juju Smith-Schuster, who lit us up, Antonio Brown. So... In the end, guys, I'm a little encouraged. You know, um, I don't want to see Le'Veon Bell uh, later in the season. But, um, but you know, the Bengals didn't play terribly. You know, um, they did enough to win the game, but they also just didn't get the last stop. Uh, and our secondary was a little beat up. 
Um, Sean, Sean Williams uh, had a concussion in, I believe, the third quarter. Darquez Denart went out second quarter. So our secondary was a little roughed up. Uh, but I'm looking forward to when we play them again. I think, you know, it'll be a good game. Yeah, I I got to say, um, I think there's a reason to be encouraged in Cincinnati. So I'm, I'm glad that you're not feeling too down. Uh, when Ben drops back 46 times and you don't get a turnover and James Conner went off, Juju went off, Antonio Brown went off, Vance McDonald got his. McDonald's and, killing us. And they still yeah. they still just barely win. Um, I think there's reason to be encouraged. Uh, yeah, you do want a little bit more from Andy Dalton because <laughs> he dropped back 42 times and uh, didn't have the world's greatest completion percentage. But, I mean, he wasn't terrible by any stretch. Uh, do need some more plays out of him, though. I think the Bengals really missed the uh, presence of Gio Bernard. Um, just having that change of, pa- change of pace, that two-headed monster with him and Mixon um, would have come in handy. But um you know overall uh i don't know i mean i th- i think the league still needs to pay attention to the fact that it seems like antonio brown is getting into a good rapport with ben and that's never good uh you you got to get some turnovers on the steelers team uh but like he said this was the week of clock management this mm-hmm. was the week of am i giving this elite quarterback too much time uh, to hurt me in the end, and we saw it time and time again uh, that that they made teams pay. So, you know, fu- and funny thing is, guys, though, like, <laughs> like the only good thing that came out of that game was like I had Antonio Brown and Juju Smith Schuster on my fantasy team. So <laughs> it was crazy because like I was in the I was in the stands, and every time they would complete a pass to Juju, I would look at my wife and be like. The only good thing is that we're getting more fantasy points. <laughs> and we had a blowout win. Um, but, yeah, that was about it. Yeah. I really, I want to get you guys' thoughts on the Vontez perfect hit on Antonio Brown. Um, he's obviously had a lot of run-ins with the league for dirty play. And then he has this the – the more I see it, I can't see how the NFL isn't going to do something. Um, where he just he just looked like he came in with his arm gunning for Antonio Brown's head. Yep. Um, so do you guys think the league is going to suspend him again? Could they possibly find him? Um, is this a situation where the team tries to do something? I just I, I'm not sure at this point what's going to get through to him because this is just becoming a pattern with him, um, and he's starting to get that rep or not starting to he has that reputation around the league of being a dirty player. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think they'll be able to factor in where allegedly they have it on tape where he told Juju you're next? Because if so, if if they, you know, if they're going to factor that in, you know, sometimes the, sometimes these leagues like to be purists and say, well, mm-hmm. that that wasn't we can't factor that into the play. But if yeah. they if they're really going to look at the entire body of what happened in that game and if he did say that and they can again verify that you got to suspend him, right? Yeah, because um, that I means so. that I mean he's he's head hunting at that point. So uh, yeah, I, I mean there this is it's such a violent game already. Like there's no need for it with all these rule changes and well, it's really for quarterbacks. But you know all these rule changes right. trying to <laughs> trying to protect players and you know with the NFL's very 
uh, uh, image conscience stance on, you know, concussions and things like that. You can't have a guy out here that has a reputation for, you know, for being dirty and you not come down hard on him. So I, I would expect Goodell to try and make an example out of him. Well, the problem is you can keep suspending him and he keeps coming back and doing the same stuff. Like, yeah. I'm honestly sick of him, honestly. And at this point, like, it's not even that he's destroying, you know. It, it's, it would be different for me if he was, like, having an impact on a game like Khalil Mack, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, sack after sack, you know, Von Miller. <laughs> but we're talking about Vontez Perfect, who is not really, like, I watched him play. I watched him on a lot of plays this Sunday, guys, and, like, Honestly, like now, granted, this was, I believe, either his first or second game back. Um, mm-hmm. But he wasn't like that special. Uh, right, right. Matter of fact, he got ran over like twice that game. I think Vance McDonald, he couldn't tackle him. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think James Conner ran him over once. So I, I, it's almost like, you know, if I'm the Bengals, I may try to get some something for him. Um, because I'm just, I'm tired of him, honestly. And the crazy thing is, is that like you talk to people outside of like football and he's apparently like the nicest guy, but he's just an idiot when it comes to the football field. And some guys here in Cincinnati love him, uh, but I'm not one of those. So, (laughs) yeah, I expect the NFL to to do something. Um, I don't know what, I mean, I, I tend to lean toward they may suspend him just because of its history, but who knows at this point. Yep. It's interesting, though. This this brought up an interesting conversation for me is back in the day, this would have just been par for the course, normal stuff. Yeah. Um, but in the current climate with yeah. how they're trying to protect quarterbacks and defenseless players, uh, you got to think the NFL, I mean, especially on a high profile player like Antonio Brown, you got to think that the NFL is looking at this seriously um, and it's going to try to make an example out of him. Yep. I mean, I, I remember watching highlights of Ronnie Lott just ending people's lives right, right. coming across the middle. <laughs> yeah. And now, if you do that, you'll be, they'll they'll take your helmet on the field just <laughs> just and take your pads off right there. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, man. So, but um, the other the other big game this weekend was the Patriots and the Chiefs, which was a thriller again that came down to a very similar situation. Um, Chiefs scored late with three minutes left, but there's a guy named Brady on that other team. Um, what did you guys take away from this game? I hate that I love the Patriots. <laughs> I hate that I, I can't I can't not watch them. They can't. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I'll skip all the rigmarole where we talk about them plugging in pieces and just making guys. I mean, Sonny Michelle, like, who? Who right. are you again? Um, you know, Gronk is starting to come alive at this point. In, excuse me, in the season, um, Josh Gordon. I mean, they're and that's the thing; they have not peaked. They're still like figuring it out. They're still getting better. Um, uh, but you know, Patrick Mahomes. I think he he showed some good things. He hung in there. That was a good battle, good duel. Like I said, you just gotta. You got to know who's on the other sideline. You have to adjust your play calling. It, it, I know for a lot of coaches, it, it may seem foreign. I know you're trying to think about, you know, managing the game just in case you know New England scores and you could get the ball back. And so you, but no, no, you have to leave no time for them to continue to do this because they're going to do it to you. Yep, it's it's going to happen to you. So, 
Uh, it, but how no, you, it was great. But how, was do great. You, how do you do that? Like, your instinct is if you get an opportunity to score, you want to score. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, we've, and we've seen games where guys get conservative with the play calling with that mind, and then they end up not scoring, and it doesn't even matter. So yeah. how do you how how can you possibly how do you coach that to your guys like be aggressive but don't be too aggressive? It's yeah, tough, I mean, Malcolm. It's, that's real tough. Yeah, it is. It mm-hmm. is. But I mean, there there's a couple schools of thought. I've I've seen games. <laughs> I've seen games where when you when you're facing a quarterback like that, and they're just they they hit a <laughs> rhythm, they hit a stride. I have I have seen it where teams might soften up the coverage a little bit and say, you know what. You're gonna score, so I'd rather you strike quickly mm-hmm. and leave me some time to try and make something of the end of the game. I know that's not a popular take. I probably wouldn't do it if I was on the sideline. But given those circumstances, I, th- I think it's really that dire. I think you got to consider it. Um, if, if a guy, if a guy's got it going and things like that, man, I, I think you. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I hate to I hate to suggest that, but I mean, what else can you do? Yeah, I mean, and there's just so many different situations, right? You know, because if you're if you're you know needing a field goal to tie the game or to take the lead, you know, you're definitely trying to say, hey, listen, you know, we're not trying to score a touchdown, you know, go down, you know, so we can kick this game with a field goal with no time left. Uh, but there's just so many different situations. Like, for instance, in this Bengal game, you know, we needed a touchdown. Uh, we didn't need it with a minute left. But, you know, Joe Mixon saw an opening and he scored. Um, yeah. We needed our defense to hold and they didn't. So it, it's extremely tough. You know, um, at the end of the day, you know, it's tough. Like, you just got to ask your defense to go out there and get one stop. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. So, um you do your best to eat up as much clock as you can with still trying to score a touchdown, but you know, you got to go for it. So I don't know, but all I know is that that game was great. Um, Mahomes, Mahomes to Tyreek Hill is a scary yeah. connection. Oh my God. Tyreek Hill is so fast. He scored three touchdowns. Um, <clears throat> you know, he reminds me of like Darren Sproles when he first yeah. came to the league. Where it just looked like he's just running at a different, like two times speed, and everybody yep. else is just on normal. Like it just, it looks unreal. Yep. It's definitely breeze to sprawl scary. Yep, it is. And, and, oh gosh, he's just, he's just extremely good. Um, I mean, there was two Chiefs that had, you know, 100 yards receiving. Um, now, that doesn't say a whole lot about these two defenses, but, right. Um, yeah, but yeah, two I mean, defenses. You know, Right, seriously. Um, I mean, in this game, heck, even the kicking was great. Both kickers, you know, I think, you know, Bucker was four for four. Goskowski was five for five. Like, it was unbelievable. You know, a great offensive showing. Uh, a fun game to watch, you know. But in the end, Tom Brady, you know. And just to, just to think, like, with Edelman and Gordon, you know, once they really get him inserted the way they may like, this offense is going to be scary. So, <laughs> This just reminded me. I don't know why this reminded me of this right now, but the the Patriots are such terrible losers. But when they when they win, oh, they're hugging everybody and giving out handshakes. And, oh, you did a great job. But when they lose, Bill Belichick like slaps the guy across the face, doesn't even do the handshake, and then in the post game interview. So how'd you feel about the game? We lost. So uh, well, you guys, we lost. 
Tom Brady's yelling at people. Tom Brady doesn't even always shake people's hands either. Yeah, I mean, he he was over there like giving Patrick Mahomes like credit and tell, telling them stuff. I was like, oh, if they had lost, he just ran off the field and right. yelled at his offensive coordinator. But I mean, don't you kind of want that? Don't don't you no. want guys that are that are so crazed about winning that? I want they, they, I want them to keep that same energy they used on Cam Newton when he pouts. <laughs> right. Okay. When he leaves press conference press conferences early, I want them to have that same energy for the same Patriots. Same energy. When it's, when it's the Patriots, oh, they're just competitors and they're perfectionists. Cam Newton, he's pouting. He's got attitude issues. He's not a leader. I, no, I mean, but that's them. I'm talking about us. I want that. Not I want the Patriots. I want them to lose. <laughs> Okay, okay, all right. There it is. There same it is. feeling. The same feeling I have. Um, I remember the year JJ Redick was a senior at Duke, and they lost, and he's crying as he's leaving and hugging Coach K as they're as the clock's running out in their tournament game. And I smiled. I was so happy. That's how I want to feel every week that the Patriots lose. I want to see Tom Brady strangling people on the sidelines, oh, red with man. rage. This got so dark so quick. <laughs> oh man! Don't don't test the depths of my pity my pettiness for the Patriots. Oh boy! <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh, look at our games for next week. Um, big game in the NFC: Carolina Panthers travel to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. The Eagles look like they may be getting into a little bit of a rhythm. The Panthers have been up and down, but still only have two losses on the year. What do you guys see as the keys for this game? Uh, definitely, um, you know, quarter, uh, well, quarterback and wide receiver play. Um, you know, one of the issues with, with the Panthers is that they don't have, you know, that that Kelvin Benjamin that, you know, just, you know, now they do have Devin Funches, but they don't have those that receiving core that is, you know, extremely just you know killer um so you know they do have christian mccaffrey and and those guys but that's the that's the that's the key you know that's why cam newton may struggle you know some of those guys are still new um and some of them just aren't like you know the just take take the top up you know the defense type of guys so um so yeah i mean you know the eagles are definitely you know catching stride i'll be curious to see what the eagles do since they lost jay ajayi you know, a lot of rumors around, you know, um, bringing back LaShawn McCoy, you know, trying to trade for Le'Veon Bell, all these type of things. Um, but in the end, it's going to come down to, you know, Eagles, you know, wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, uh, tight end Zach Ertz, you know, really making plays for Carson Wentz versus the receiving core and all of uh, the Panthers. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Eagles by 10, 30, 20. Because uh, I think the Eagles make more plays. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey and, and company will make more plays than Carolina's uh, team. Will. Yeah, uh, Keith kind of said it all there. I um, I agree completely. Be interesting to see what they do with their rushing attack. I believe the Bills said that they are not dealing shady. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens on that front. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Still, if they're, I mean, they get, they got, if they're getting around a hundred yards production, <laughs> like they get. And mind you, that was against the Giants. You know, Carolina's a little bit of a different, uh, a little bit of a Absolutely. different story. But if they're gonna get around a hundred yards of production between Clement and Wendell Smallwood, uh, then they don't need 
necessarily to uh, and Philly is uh they're using a I think it's really like a three back system but they're using multiple yep. backs anyhow so uh, you got Carson Wentz he's picking up steam like you said Alshon Jeffries looking healthy um and so I, I actually got the Eagles uh winning this ball game as well I do think Carolina's gonna give them a run for it um but I think 24 to 20 is a ball game speaking of you mentioned uh Kelvin Benjamin. Did you hear the Kelvin Benjamin story from this week? No. No. Nathan Peterman, they, they have this the audio of him asking Kelvin Benjamin and if he wants to run some extra routes during pregame and he tells him, No, I'm good. Mm. Oh. So yeah, that's the nature okay. of Buffalo Bills football right now. <laughs> <laughs> like I can just imagine like the quarterback just standing there looking at him like, Oh, you're for real. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, no, no. Did he picked up his bag and he walked out? <laughs> He's like, no. Nah, I'm uh, uh, I just got my text from Vontae Davis. I'm retiring today as well. Right, right, right. <laughs> Can't take it anymore. Um, yeah, I think the Eagles. I, I, I really love Cam Newton, but he's kind of been up and down this year, and really this team hasn't been very consistent. I think the Eagles will win this one by ten. Okay. Um, you and me on the same page, big, Malcolm. On the same page. Um, the Bengals make another appearance in our games to watch as they travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Both teams coming off of uh, tough losses. What do you guys think? So Kansas City, they got the high-powered offense, right? And the defense has been giving up, you know, buku points, right? Yep. Sorry, Keith. Cincinnati's going to go in there and lay an egg, and Kansas City is going to win 33-10. to 10. Um, It's oh, just, just just when you think Andy Dalton is, is figuring it out, like you said, getting some things done, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, Mixon <laughs> is back and everything. Um, yeah, I, I just think the wheels are going to fall off. I'm looking at three to four interceptions for Andy Dalton in this game. All right. Well, um, I'm sorry, man. No, it's all right. Um, I'm actually going with the Chiefs as well. Um, I'd love to pick my Bengals, but I just haven't seen enough consistency from our offense. Um, We haven't put a solid four quarters together yet. Um, I I do look forward to seeing what John – I was talking to John Ross earlier today in my store, and um, he was talking about he's going to come back. You know, him being – Insider knowledge. I like it. Oh, man. Him being being another weapon – uh, for Andy Dalton's disposal is um, is definitely good, but uh, I don't think we'll do enough. And especially if our defense, if our secondary is still banged up, uh, Mahomes could have a field day on us. Uh, so I'm going to go Chiefs uh, by 13, 34, 21. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just that's a tough game, uh, but I would be ecstatic if we could somehow pull off that win. So you guys remember last week where I said I'm not picking against the Chiefs anymore, right? Yeah. I'm not picking against the Chiefs anymore. <laughs> you know what burned me last week? I'm not picking against them. I'm going to say Chiefs by at least two touchdowns. There it is. Um, And we'll just do one more game for fun. The Saints and the Ravens. Um, Ravens coming off. Uh, yeah, they, they won this past week. Um, Saints, I think, were on a bye this... Or were they on a bye? Did they play Thursday night? They were on a bye. They were on a bye. Yeah, they were on a bye. Um, But they just came off the record-breaking performance by Drew Brees. 
what are the keys to this game? The Ravens had a history record oh, yeah. breaking oh my gosh. eleven sacks, I believe, in that in the in their past game against Tennessee. It was ugly. Um Ravens defense is just ridiculous. Um and that's gonna be the, the matchup. Ravens defense versus a high powered Saints offense. Um and uh I think that the one issue is that the Ravens offense is too inconsistent. Uh, you know, Joe Flacco is sometimes Joe Fluco, if you ask Skip Bayless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a tough game. I don't think the Ravens are going to allow the Saints to score as much. Um, but I do have the Saints by 7, 21-14. Yeah, I mean, let's be fair. New Orleans, uh, you know, offensive line is uh, significantly better than Tennessee's. Um uh, and, you know, especially with Mark Ingram being back and Kamara being there, Drew Brees has the check downs of a lifetime. And so he won't have to hold on to that ball long. And then on top of that, he's Drew Brees. So, yeah, I, I think keys to the game, absolutely. If you can get to Drew Brees, definitely that uh, that improves your chances. But then you're relying on Joe Flacco. Again, I'm not impressed with Crabtree and John Brown. Uh, and their three tight end attacks that they go to. So uh, I got I got New Orleans. Um, not not too crazy. Twenty one to uh, seventeen. I think they take this ball game. Well, I think I'll be the odd one out. I think the Ravens are going to pull this one out. Another impressive defensive performance. I think Flacco does just enough, but I think they get. Um, I'm going to predict a strip sack for a touchdown. Um, in the second half, and I think they win by twelve. Mm. Okay. And those are our picks. Hope you guys are will be watching these games. And I know Keith is going to hold us accountable for our picks this week. Yes, I um, am. So we'll do a status update next week to see how we stand. But now we're going to get to the closing of our show. And you know how we like to do it. It's with our closing words. Keith, will you get us started with your parting words for tonight? Um, I'm gonna shout my Bengals out. Um, you know, uh, a great, a great game you guys, uh, put up on Sunday. I was excited to be there. Um, and you guys have given me some things to look forward to. I hope I can see a little bit more consistency. Um, but yeah, let's, let's, let's keep working and let's pull off, let's pull off a huge win in Kansas city. Let's, let's, let's try to do it. I I don't have too much faith, but let's try to do it anyways. Oh man. (laughs) <laughs> Pep talk of the year, Keith Turner. Woo! <laughs> uh, Ian, give us your parting words tonight. I feel like it'd be blasphemous for us not to mention it on this podcast, but it wasn't on the rundown because what more do you say? Aaron Rodgers is oh god a phenom. Um, sitting there watching Monday Night Football, one leg banged his head up against the helmet so i'm pretty sure it's bruised or some type of thumb and he's still surgical he's still getting knocked around and then rushing for 21 yards in clutch time um that was magic that was i don't have the words for it um one of one of the greatest things you you ever see you know especially if you're just watching detailed football uh that that guy is he's i'm speechless so shout out to Aaron Rodgers. Hey, whatever, Aaron Rodgers. Um, 
my parting words, I'm going to do a little bit of a deep dive. Shout out to my mom for sending me this, uh, this, these parting words. Um, George Telefaro, who I'm sure many of you have not heard of, um, was a running back for the University of Indiana Hoosiers in the 40s. Um, and was their leading rusher um, during the 1945 season where they won the Big Ten championship going 9-0-1. Oh, um, but here's the real reason why he's on this list. In uh, 1948, he was the first African-American player ever drafted to the NFL um, coming out of Indiana. Wow. And actually, um, interesting story um, in this article my mom sent me was that um, after his playing career was over, he was on staff in Indiana um, for quite some time. Um, but the lunch counters in the 40s were still, and in the 50s, were still segregated. And so he had to run home to eat lunch and come back to campus to finish his campus work. And so the university president found out, uh, called one of the diners on campus and told him that he was going to be bringing George with him to sit in one of the lunch counters. Um, and the lunch counter owner basically told him, uh, that's not going to fly. And then he told him that he would tell every student to not eat there. No, he would tell no student and no faculty to ever eat there. Um, if he didn't allow George to, to have lunch there. So, um, just a trailblazer in so many ways, um, you know, being the first African-American player drafted in the NFL and then um, helping to desegregate the Indiana campus. Um, so I just want to give my parting words to George Telefero, um, a true trailblazer and a history maker that I'm sure I had definitely hadn't heard of. And I'm sure a lot of you guys hadn't heard of either. But um, he passed away this week and just want to show love to his family and to the University of Indiana family as well um, for his impact there. That's major, major, major. Classic. Good shout stuff. out, Malcolm. Good shout out. I like to finish strong, you guys. As the LeBron James <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. know, sometimes I gotta carry you guys, you know, to the finals. Are you Rondo though? Okay. <laughs> wow. I don't quit. I don't quit in the middle of a playoff series. Oh man. Well, that wonderful um, departure on Rajon Rondo is how we're going to end this week's episode of the 301 Podcast. Joining us from Cleveland, Ohio, it's International Ian Lamont Morgan. <laughs> Shouts out to Rajon. <laughs> and from Cincinnati, it's Keith Turner Jr. Yeah. In the capital city, it's your boy, Malcolm Morgan. Thank you for listening to the 3-in-1 Podcast. We'll see you all next time. Cavs and seven. No.